because it seems like you have a scratchy voice, and so do I. A little bit. It's that time of year, I guess, well, huh? Also, also, it's a uh, <coughs> in the morning. So as the voice gets oh, like awakened. Oh, I see what you did there. Very yeah. Because nice. it has to wake up. Really? Yeah. It's like your voice, your vocal cords have to warm up. You have to do that. Do you do the unique New York every morning? I do the lip trills. Are you serious? Yeah. It gets all the gook out. You do that every morning? I try. Really? Or I like do it in my my lessons and all of my singing lessons. So mm. I'll go. And I'll just talk through it. And you can hear it <coughs> clearing up. You want to try it? Kind of, yeah. So you, you should just... So sitting up straight. Okay. So putting... Just gently pressing your che- like cheeks in. Licking the lips. Like literally press? Yeah. My finger? Okay. And then... <laughs> there it goes. Like a horse. Like a horse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you're engaging the diaphragm. So that's yeah, really where... I thought where that my core. That's really where your voice should be. That's really where the support should be coming from. So when like you're doing it podcasts, feels good. yeah. So when you're doing podcasts, you should be like speaking from here and not up here. And when you're saying here, you're pointing to your stomach. Yeah. And not from your chest. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because well, you it's always like, think your lungs are in your chest. So. Right. Right. But you need that. You need that power to support the lungs. So where does it come from? It comes from the diaphragm. Hmm. And how can you activate that just speaking normal, so, being mindful of it? So with the singing breath or the speaking breath, you have to like take a big inhale, belly goes out. And then exhale, belly goes in and up. So you're engaging that dome shape right under your ribs and then also your pelvic floor. But I'm not like flexing my abs, am I? I mean, you're like squeezing it a little bit. It's it's weird because it kind of feels like you're going to the bathroom. Oh, this is way more kind of wonder i'm a horrible singer no it has nothing to do with that it's like really it's like it has to do with where where is the voice coming from is it coming from like just the upper body and people are like it's all in my throat no it's like your entire body needs to be engaged your whole spirit needs to be your whole spirit i always say bottom to top bottom to top but not from your toes i mean like if you're sing, if you're actually like engaging or you're public speaking, you want to engage your whole body in that because like you're passionate about what you're speaking about. So like if you're just speaking from the chest up, it's gonna be so much more like boring than speaking from your entire body. How did you learn all this? Through performing, yeah, through performing. So I like, I've been performing for since I was fourteen. I'm almost thirty five. So I've just been in that space in the, on stage for so long. And then when I was in speech pathology, because I became a speech pathology assistant, I got my bachelor's in it. Oh. And during that time, uh, my professor knew that I was a singer and she pulled me aside and she said, you're losing your voice. You need to go to the vocal clinic. So I... Went to vocal therapy for like three to four months. 
and it changed the way I spoke. It changed the way I sang. And then I was doing a lot of yoga. So I like swear by yoga and vocal therapy. And when she said you were losing your voice, what does that mean? Did that mean that you were just getting a raspy voice? Like we tend to think like that laryngitis kind of vibe or she meant you didn't have this spiritual power behind it. No, it was, it was literally just all physical, like the raspy and like, mm. She heard like the glottal, we call it the glottal fry, where it literally is like this the whole time, you know, Oh, yeah. like, like this is the glottal fry, frying. Where you like it sound like you like, smoke cigarettes for yeah, years. Yeah. You're the just, raspy voice. The raspy voice. Also, this is for when you're, but there is a certain type of way that you can train to do a glottal fry in a healthy way for like metal singers. So Say like, that again. A glottal what? A glottal fry. Glottal fry. Yeah. So it's like, it's like when your voice is overly tired too. So there's like a lot of factors that make your voice sound the way it sounds. So if you're drinking a lot of alcohol, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're eating a lot of spicy foods, if you're not really taking care of your body the way that it should be taken care of, then your voice is going to reflect it. By not being as powerful or having the raspiness. <clears throat> By or... everything. Like, just like, you're going to lose your voice more if you're not getting enough sleep and you're drinking a lot of alcohol and smoking. Why does alcohol affect it? It dries everything out. Mm. And caffeine, too. Caffeine can really do its toll. That's why it's really hard for, like, teachers. So, you know, you need coffee in the mornings. Like, people... You got my cup right here. Yeah. And, and they don't... People don't know, but it, like, dries you out completely. So you have to drink extra water if you are drinking coffee. I've never understood that. How can <clears throat> caffeine dehydrate you if it's you're drinking in a liquid? You know, you drink like right? a twenty four ounce coffee, it would feel like that's super hydrating you. Right. But it just makes you pee it all out. Pee it all out. Huh. It like just takes all of the water out. Hmm. I don't really know the science behind it, but we should look into that. We should. Because I know it dries you out because I've done it before with tea. Like if it's I like before a performance and you're drinking green tea or black tea, you're screwed. If you're drinking wine, oh my gosh, don't even try to sing. Really? Yeah. But isn't there that <clears throat> alcohol, you know, bands drinking alcohol on stage, it kind of loosens them up, gets them to belt out those notes. Is there yeah. a fine line there? Or Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like you want your body to be extremely calm and relaxed when you are singing. But you can get there in different ways, and you, it doesn't have to be with alcohol. So, so like through breath. Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> lots of drugs. Lots and lots of drugs. Just take all the drugs, and then see what happens when you go on stage. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm so interested in talking to you because you seem so confident, and I've seen you perform, and that really comes through. And I'm almost scared to sing when I'm alone. So I want to get into all this, but I want to backtrack a bit. You said you started performing when you were 14. So yeah. take us back to your childhood. How did you get to that point where you're performing at such a young age? Were you always a creative kid dancing around? And you grew up in Jersey, like yeah. me, yeah. Yeah, we grew up like down the street from each other. We literally drank know. the same water. We did. So funny. We did drink the same Kool Aid. Like, <laughs> isn't Jersey just funny? It's so funny. People have such weird <laughs> views of it because yeah. it's such a disjointed state. If you're from up north, everyone thinks New York. New York. If you're from the south, everyone thinks Philly. Philly. Nobody really gets the idea of the Garden State. They're like, where's that come from? But there's so many movies about it. 
Jersey Shore, Howl's Wives of New Jersey, the Garden State movie. Garden I State. think there's more movies about New Jersey. And then people think of the Atlantic City mafia kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. So for just being also known as the armpit of America, it has such a reputation, which is weird. And it's so weird because it's called the Garden State and the armpit of America. At the same time. At the same time. Which is completely contradictory. What does, yeah, like what what are you guys doing? <laughs> who, who said that? Like, <laughs> I don't know who came up with it. Honestly, I think it's people who live around New Jersey. Okay. Like people who live in New York oh, yeah, who think they're true. cool. Yeah. Or people that, I mean, I feel like New Yorkers look down more on Jersey than Philly people do. I mean. Philly people go to the Jersey Shore. Yeah. They're, they're like, it's so the right there on the river. It's, but people from New York, you know, they tend to have a little bit. I know. More Those of a high brow. The they're yeah. like, oh, you you live in Jersey? I live in the city. I live in the city. Oh. I'm so much better than you. <laughs> there was, remember, remember this, the, um, the movie, Just, Just Friends? Mm. Yeah. Mila Kunis? Yeah. Is that her? I Wait, no, it was or the Or Amy one. Smart. The, the, the blonde. I think it was Amy Smart. She was like, forgiveness is more than saying sorry. Are you sorry? But it was like, there's this one part where he's like, some I forget their, his name, but he's like, he's Jersey. He skis, skis in his jeans. Like, so, <laughs> like dunk, Larry, I forget the, I forget it, but it'll come back to me like randomly during this podcast and it'll come back to me and I'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, that's it. When Jersey Shore was out, people <clears throat> were just insane with it. When I would tell oh, people from New Jersey, they always fist pump. Fist pump. Or GTL, bro. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, what is that? Gym tan laundry. Oh. Because the one guy, Mike, the situation, the that situation. was like their thing. Before they go out, you have to go to the gym, you have to go tanning, and then, of yep. course, do your laundry. Yeah, which, smell good. as you know, like, that's totally my style, right? <laughs> like, I'm all about being pressed and buttoned up when I go out. I mean, tanning. Oh, You're at the tanning the bed, like, five days a week. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes even six days. <laughs> Seven, eight, eight days. Just anyway, kidding. we could go on for Jersey yeah. forever, but <clears throat> it's funny that we grew up literally 20 minutes from each other, mm-hmm. and now we met out here, which is kind of cool. So I know I everything know. about your childhood, but let's tell others about, about it. What was it like for you growing up? What yeah. were you up to? So um, I was pretty shy when I was little. Um, I don't believe that. Isn't that funny? I was pretty shy. Um, Are you an introvert now? Would you consider I, feel, I feel like I'm a, yeah, more of, especially living in Palisade. I mean, we, we're like, especially it's like winter right Palisade now. Palisade winter is about oh as introverted as it gets. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I've never been so introverted ever in my life. And it's a lot, it's a learning experience. It's like, it feels right, but it also is like, I need to be doing stuff with people, with friends. Like, and then I, I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, maybe I should should just do stuff with myself and like find out more about who I am. So it's this like, it's this like push pull of, of like back in the day living in the city in Denver and then living in Philly. And it's just so different. It's so different. The energy around you is so different. Yeah. It's so calm here. I it's mean, you so wake calm. up, Julie always laughs. She's like, I go for a walk at four in the afternoon and it feels like a ghost town. Yeah. It's like no one is here. There's no yeah. energy whatsoever. Yeah. It's a very interesting, especially in the winter. I mean, the summer and spring and fall, it all comes to life. Oh, it's popping. Yeah. It's just Can't like, get away from it, honestly. It's amazing. And then winter, is, it's just like kind of a drag. Well, it's because you don't ski. But That's we'll why. Talk, maybe you should talk to your husband about well, that. Well, he wants me to. He's like, 
I know. He's told me many times how he's, he's so going to try disappointed. and get you to do it. I just get so scared. I'm going to break my wrist. And there, there goes my career for a little bit. I need to play guitar. Your, oh, I was going to say. I need to play singing. guitar, yeah. ukulele. Um, yeah. I just freak out. Freak out. So I cross country, though. But back to, yeah. So I was a shy kid. <laughs> we do that on this podcast yeah it's, i this yeah. is one of the add i love it <laughs> it's all over the place and then okay so but i was in like choir i was in theater i was in like always like performances but i was never like solo or i never got a part in it i was just kind of in the background um i also the first time i ever like performed by myself was my bat mitzvah Oh. So thanks, Judaism. <laughs> what age did that happen? 13. So it's same for, it's boys and girls do 13. it at 13. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's and that's kind of the, oh, sorry, go ahead. A yeah. woman or a man, oh. quote. Is this like the confirmation of the Catholic Church? Yeah, okay. pretty much. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so then I, I I sang at my party. So you, you got the the Haftorah, which you like sing in Hebrew for like a half an hour, it feels like, or like 24 hours. But then after you get like this huge party and my theme was music and cause everyone gets themes for their bat mitzvah. So it's like music or like sports or, you know, all these different types of themes that you love. And mine was music. And I decided I wanted to sing Jewel standing still. I love Jewel. Do you remember that song, Standing Still? Or am I standing still? I do, yeah. Oh, so that was like the scariest thing I have I had ever done in my life at that time. Was And I, I remember my hand was like shaking holding the mic <sighs> the whole time. But I did it. And it was like the best feeling ever. And everyone was really supportive because, you know, they're at my bat mitzvah. I mean. It would be rude not to be. It would be rude. <laughs> Why did you pick that song? What? <laughs> oh, I thought you were, you were being someone. Why did you pick that song? No, I I'm just, just love. I love Jewel. I love Jewel so much, and I've always covered her, and she's been a very big inspiration to me. I even read her autobiography, and it was amazing. Hmm. She grew up in Alaska, and she used to yodel with her dad. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know much about her. She she was real. She was a performer since she was like six years old. And her dad used to take her on tour with him, and she would yodel. And that was, like, the coolest thing. As part of the act? As part of the act, yeah. And so after I sang that, I wanted – I, like – my dad plays guitar and sings, and my mom plays piano and sings. And after that, I I remember hearing my dad every single night. He would play guitar till like, 12 or 1 in the morning. Um. Cause he was like, he was a night, a night owl. Mm. And so he would just play very quietly though. Not like acoustic, you know, not like rocking, knocking out. <laughs> rocking out his electric guitar. He was just like always a Shut up kids. I got to practice. <laughs> I gotta pra- Go to sleep. This is my therapy. <laughs> Seriously. It was his therapy. Is, yeah. And, um, and it still is today. And he, um, <clears throat> one night I heard him playing and I went downstairs and I was 14 and I said, Abba, that's dad in Hebrew, I want to start playing guitar. Like, and then they put me right into private lessons. And that was when I started writing my first ever singer-songwriter, like, my first songs. And I just remember, like, sitting 
in my room on the floor. I love playing music on the floor. Something about grounding. Something about that. I just love it. Even guitar? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you can't do it with piano, but with guitar and ukulele and everything, it's just, I like to be connected to the floor. It's just, it just makes me feel grounded and comfortable. So I would like lock myself in my room, sit on the floor and play till my fingers bled. Like I was like a crazy emo kid, 14 (laughs) years old. And I used to like sing so loud and, and jam on my guitar by myself for so long. Like my mom used to question if I was okay but then she would hear me singing and playing and she just never bothered me when I was in my room because that was the way I released my rage and my like everything it's like the only release the only outlet that I could fully release my emotions your high school rage high school rage is real oh yeah (laughs) it's probably the realest form of rage I think it is especially for girls I think it is. I mean, yeah, because it's easier. I mean, I guess it's easier for girls to express themselves. But, yeah, it was just so, it felt so good. So I just kept writing. And then there was, like, Battle of the Bands and stuff. And I, I formed a band. I formed, uh, my. I had a chick drummer, and my boyfriend at the time was the bass player, and I was the guitarist, and we were, like, doing Battle of the Bands and when I was 15 and 16 and 17. Uh, and then my mom said, you know, you're good at this. So I, I used to go to Philly to an open mic at World Cafe Live. You went to World Cafe Live? Hell yeah. Every that place is single a gem. Monday for like, I think since I, I think I was 15 when I started going, my mom would drive me every single Monday and that's where I found my, pro- that's where my promoter found me. He was blind too. His name his name is David Wanup. He was he was like a big deal in the Philly folk scene at at and, and at the time and I think he still is. He knows a lot of cool people and in the scene that have like really blown up and then um <clears throat> he just heard me when I was 15 and he said I want I want to book you all over Philly. So then that must have given you quite a jolt. Yeah. Yeah. When I, and that's why I swear by like, if you are a singer songwriter and you're just starting out, go to open mics, just find any open mic. Cause you never know who's sitting in the audience. You never know. And like go to different open mic nights all around the the country, all around the world. Like there's always going to be open jams, open mics. That's where you usually find your bandmates. Like there's so much, it's just great practice. Too. It's great practice. Yeah, you're playing in front of people. You're doing your thing. Also, side note, I host an open mic night at Copica. You do? Yes. And the next one is February 29th, okay. the mystical day. And sign-ups are at 6.30, but get there early because it gets super packed. So it's from 7 to 9, but sign-ups are at 6.30. Send me the details. I'll post it with the episode. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when you get, you said you got this agent or promoter, what does that mean when you're 15? So was he now booking you at all these shows? Yeah. He used to book me at, um, World Cafe Live. And your mom is driving you to all these cause you don't have your license yet. I'm guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Being my, in Jersey, we didn't get it till 17. I used to play at bars and they would be like, so how many drink tickets do you need? I'm like, <laughs> I'm 15 years old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom would just take all of them and she I would bet. be like, yeah. 
driving me everywhere to take all my drink tickets and i'm just like uh mom's gotta have fun too yo she was she's still parties she's i mean <laughs> jane i love you she was my momager though she became my momager so she started then booking shows for me too so she booked me at a bunch of different festivals like cape may music fest mm. that was a cool one um i used to go up to new york do singers uh songwriters round i i played at the bitter end where Bob Dylan sat and Joni Mitchell. That's so amazing. It's so cool. It was such a cool experience to like be on the same stage as Bob Dylan. And you're playing all your own material? All or my covering? own material. What were your songs about? Love. It was about love. It was about like breakups, love, you know, the thing that songwriters start off with or like nothing else matters. You just got to find love and there was a lot about escaping there was a lot about like running away hmm. that i feel like love is such a powerful emotion at that age it's oh one gosh. of the few things you're feeling yeah. really really strongly yeah because you know you're hitting puberty you're starting to date for the first time you're experimenting for the first time you're yeah. all first and it's you can never even as adult you can never get those first feelings again and they're just so powerful. So I can see how yeah. everyone at that age is going to be writing about it. Like, but it's so connected. They, right. You can connect with people so easily through that. Right. And then, and it, there's no age to it. So, and it's interesting because I was, I'm very grateful that I had that outlet to express myself through music and through my playing and through emotion. And then like years later, foreshadow this is how wake the voice came to be and you were never scared to sing or scared oh to get i up was there. definitely scared you were yeah so i used to go to so the open mics really taught me a lot about performing so every i would do open mics every single week for like four or five years and then through performing each time it gets a little tiny bit easier and a little tiny bit more self-confidence boost because people come up to you after and they're like, yo, that was so cool. Can't wait to hear all of your other songs, you know? So you're building this like fan base too through open mic nights. And that was the epic practice. It's just getting up there. It's so important to practice. Yeah. To get up there and burn and fail. Yep. Have the success. Have yep. it both ways. I've blacked out up there. Like literally blacked Le out? It only happened once. It was at, it was like a cover themed show. I think it was, oh, it was, I think it was Bob Dylan. It was like a Bob Dylan night and I totally blanked. And I actually said on stage, I said, I'm sorry, I don't remember the words. I need to get off the stage. Wow. And that was like really embarrassing. I, how did you handle that? I just... Walked off stage and I, I think I cried. I would have. I think I cried. <laughs> yep. And my mom was really disappointed, but she was like, you know, it happens sometimes and we'll get through, you know, it'll be better the next time. Yeah. And then through, through, uh, just getting more and more shows, then I was getting more and more people to come to the shows. And then I met an amazing backing band called, they go by beard space out of the beard space that's such a philly name beard <laughs> space it's like totally philly people they came picture that. yeah like the band came to one of my shows because i they knew that i was looking for a band and 
my friend Eric, he's super cool. His name's Eric Maganero, very Italian. Maganero, <laughs> he and I used to be super close, and um, he invited the, the band, and and then they saw me play, and they were like, yeah, let's definitely jam. So then they became my backing band, and they were like all prodigies at what they did. Now they have a festival that they run in South Jersey called Beard Fest. Mm. And it is like, <laughs> I think now it's been 10 years. They have more than 2,000 people that go. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. It's in the Pine Barrens. That's awesome. Yeah. Love me some Pine Barrens. Yeah, on a lake. Yeah, you know. Well, going back to that when you bombed <clears throat> and you blanked and couldn't yeah. remember everything, I mean, you must have felt horrible going home that night. Oh, my gosh. I I remember it to this day. I mean, that was the only, that was one of the only times I really blacked out. And I was like, this will never happen again. Super motivating. Man. I will not let this happen again. I need to be prepared for each of my shows. I need to know my shit. Like, that's basically it. Like, if you want to be a professional, you need to know your stuff. Yeah. That's a make or break moment right there. Yeah. Some people would have just walked away and never, never come back. never came back. Been but, scared stiff. But I was like, I wasn't prepared. I didn't practice enough. And that's what I get. That's like standing naked before God. Yep. Yeah, that's basically all right. This is it. This is rock bottom. <laughs> this is me, and now I'm I'm going back. Yep, for it. yep, yep. And that and it taught me so many lessons. Looking back now, yeah, it sucked going through it, but looking back, I'm so glad I went through it. You know, it's an inspiring moment. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, those dark times are really inspiring. And then you decided to study speech pathology in school yeah i just wanted so i didn't really know what to do so here's my mom coming in again uh she was like well why don't you just go for speech pathology and learn all you can about the voice because you're a singer and i said you know what that sounds good pretty good sales pitch there for There's, a mom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't be a rock star use you your should, degree get you a degree should learn more yeah. about your voice and i was like oh yeah i should you know what that sounds good that was a good play yeah, and I'm so glad that she pushed me to do that because I didn't even know that existed. And I I said, you know what? I need to learn all I can about my voice and like how I can manipulate it and how I can control it but be extremely free with it. Hmm. So through going, I went to Temple University, loved it. Great, great college. Um, really good speech pathology program and behavioral sciences. I took a lot of neuroscience. That was really cool. Vocal voice, like anatomy of the voice and audiology. And so I'm really conscious about my hearing. I'm really conscious about like if I'm losing my hearing, <laughs> you know, because that's like, that's like you need that as a musician. Your hearing is so important. To know if you're out of tune or you're in tune. Oh, yeah. To be an accurate judge of how it sounds. And also to like not lose your hearing. So well, when you're rocking out, you mean when you're rocking out. Yeah. So I, I use musician earplugs every single time when I used to be a in bands, I would use earplugs, but that was like later on. I didn't start using musician earplugs till I was probably out of college. Do you wear them when you go to a concert? Too? Oh yeah. I wear them everywhere now. And that doesn't impact your ability to hear the show. No, or... So this is the coolest part about musician earplugs is that, they mold to your ears, so you have to go to an audiologist to get them. Mm. And they have they have these little like holes in them, so you can still hear the music really well. 
but just certain uh, types of like uh, volumes, you can't like it doesn't it doesn't go over the threshold of it. But I couldn't go get them myself. Yeah, you could. Like for a concert, should I be going to get them or should? Well, they're I just... just expensive, but I would I I recommend it to everyone, even if you're not a musician, because like if you go to a concert and you have those buzz that buzzing in your ear, you have lost hearing. I've definitely had that where I leave a show and the and high pitch takes like an hour to yep. kind of recombobulate. Yeah, you lost it, it and you'll never get back. It doesn't heal. It does not heal. Really? Once you lose it, you lose it. It's like brain cells, like when you get concussed and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it would just no. Oh. Okay. What'd you, you say? say? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> I thought speech pathology, everyone that studies that, don't they go into helping people who have speech impediments or young children who are slow to develop speaking? Yeah. yeah so that's along those those lines. Yeah. Same program though? Same program. Okay. Yep. So speech, they always say like the neck up. That's what speech pathologists do. The, the, they, they work on swallowing therapies too. That was always gross, but what do you, more power to you. Cause some people can't swallow. Well, like if you have a stroke or a brain injury that, yeah, you can forget how to swallow. So you have to go to a speech pathologist to learn how to swallow again. How do you teach someone how Isn't, to swallow? That's I, such a bizarre thing. I did not get to that. I couldn't even, I'm just swallowing now. I'm like, how did I do that? I don't know. Right. Because it's, it's involuntary. I just did it. But you lose that if like a certain part of your mind is affected by a brain injury or like a stroke and you have to learn how to swallow. You know, that is fascinating stuff um, because yeah, you can't, it's so hard to teach that, but it's like you have it. Speech pathologists basically go in. And you don't lose your speech. You don't lose swallowing. You don't lose any of that. You just um, you just need help accessing it again because you've done it before. Right. But even, okay, when I take a voluntary swallow, yeah, like, I just did it. I, I couldn't explain to you how I did it. I couldn't say like, okay, well, so what you do is, I don't know, just yeah. swallow. It's what you do. Yeah. It's such a bizarre, it's like. I know. Trying I know. to explain how to do something that your body just knows how to do. Yeah. Is very strange. And then suddenly it doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, because um, people would like gag or vomit or like they couldn't. The muscles weren't working correctly. It's very interesting. I didn't get into that because that's more of graduate. I just had my undergrad in speech pathology. So were you kind of like the one artsy person in this program who was like, <laughs> I'm here just to study for my music career. Yeah, that's basically <laughs> what I did. I got free vocal therapy Yeah, where I use it now in my sessions <clears throat> of Wake the Voice. So it's so interesting that like everything leads up to to th certain things in your life that you never thought you would use, but then you use all of it. Yeah, I agree. Experience just, you don't know why you're doing it. You don't know why. You're doing something that you think is pointless, but then yeah. 10 years down the road, it kicks in. Yeah. I always just say it's all practice. Like everything you do in life is practice and you don't know what you're practicing for, but something in the future, you may realize that those skills you developed were quite good. Were quite good and you needed it the whole time. All right. So just <laughs> the lesson is like, take everything you're doing seriously. Yeah. Even if you don't see the point in it right then, there could be value down the road. Yep. So how did you tell us about Wake the Voice? How did you reach this point where you're now developing your own 
uh, well, I wouldn't call it a therapy session, but uh, a voice therapy. Mm-hmm. How would you describe it? Awake the voice session. So first I started with like just teaching music. So private music lessons and guitar. Guitar. Piano. Yeah. Guitar, mostly guitar, voice and ukulele. And I was teaching. Oh, and then I was teaching. Um, so, okay. So after I graduated college, I went on this beautiful road trip cross country with two of my friends. And then I, we went to Colorado and um, saw string cheese incident for like three nights. At Red Rocks? At Red Rocks. Heck yeah. For the first time ever. And that was back in 2012. We've been to a Red Rocks show together. <laughs> we have. And it was string and cheese. And it was string cheese. And that was last Look year. It was that. so fun. <laughs> for Julia's birthday. Um, but... And that's where you met your husband at a string so cheese then show too, right? I met him actually the couple of nights before that when two of the girls I was on the road trip with, we went white water rafting and the guides invited us to camp that night and we were like, yeah. Guides are such poachers. So much poachers. They are. I wonder how many like <laughs> what, like women they... You guys were the only ones they've ever invited. Oh, totally. You I totally believe that. And they <laughs> just saw something in you guys, for sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> Let's go with that. <laughs> so we get there. It's like in the middle of nowhere. It's dispersed camping, so it's not real. It's not a real campsite in Idaho Springs. And uh, yeah, Brandon was a zipline guide at the time. And oh, Brandon was part of this guide. Group. Oh yeah, oh, I didn't know that. But he did, he's not the one that invited us. Oh, he tagged along. He tagged well because all the guides were camping together. Mm. So he was a zipline guide. That's a good strategy if you have guides in different, like one zipline, one's rafting. It's just yeah. like, okay, guys, everyone invite the hottest girls you see tonight <laughs> to the campsite. Yeah, that's exactly and it. Just see what you get. And it's so funny because like there was like one girl, and a guide that was a girl, and she was just like super cool and super badass, and she was just like, oh. She was probably just like, oh my gosh, another one of these nights? Okay. Or she, was, she she's just wing didn't woman. care. Yeah, she's, she's a wing woman. But um, yeah, so I met Brandon under the full moon during that night and we fell in love. Sounds romantic. It was so romantic. <laughs> it was so romantic. And then we just like were inseparable and he came to all of the string cheese shows. And that was like our first date. It's a pretty cool date. It's a pretty cool date. Yeah. Did, were you a big fan of string cheese before this? Like, were they one of your influences? I I was never really a big fan. I was more of like, I just really loved to dance to them. And They're kind of EDM. Yeah. And like, I thought they were more bluegrass, but at the show we went to, it was like a lot of EDM. River trance. Kinda, yeah, yeah. River trance. River That's trance. That's a great way to describe yeah. it. Yeah. They, they call it that because it's really, it's really the river trance. Did you see Dylan didn't invite them to come back this year? Oh, really? The Dylan Amphitheater. Which, by the way, if you haven't been to Dylan Amphitheater, no, I, it's absolutely to. amazing. Awesome, awesome venue. But apparently last year they had a show there. And I guess after the show, the town was a mess or – you know, the fans just came in without places to stay, so we're sleeping, different pla- whatever. I don't know. It's just all social media gossip. But they actually, <clears throat> String Cheese just posted something on their official account saying that they weren't invited back by the town of Dillon. So they're doing three shows at Red Rocks, but they're not going to, to Dillon Amphitheater. Well, maybe we got to rearrange how our fans of uh, 
including us behave right behave we were behaved we were behaved kind of. yeah uh, <laughs> well the same thing happened to fish like fish doesn't play red rocks anymore because i mean they he, they're just too big well that but they played red rocks and all the fish heads came and didn't have anywhere to stay so they all end up like sleeping on the sidewalk in morrison mm. and the town was just like nope. look we have infinite bands that can play here yeah we're not dealing with this yeah but yeah now they sell out dicks three nights in a row yeah it's like <laughs> and they, they can camp care. there yeah and yeah. they love dicks yeah they love dicks they do fish dicks they do yeah. that's their whole thing yeah fish dicks. <laughs> i love it string cheese and fish dicks that's, so, so this show inspired that's a good you, lunch you know? Fish sticks and string cheese. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I grew up in New Jersey, you know, down the street from you. And I fell in love and Brandon was living in Colorado. And Oh, so that's later, why you moved to Colorado. That's why I really moved for to Colorado. For the old Brando. For the old Brando. Now he's my husband. 12 years later. Crazy stuff. We're about to celebrate our three-year wedding anniversary next week. Oh, what are you going to do? We're going to Ridgeway tomorrow. Oh, you're doing it. Wait, going tomorrow to celebrate for next week? We're going tomorrow and we're staying a week. Awesome. In Ridgeway. What are you going to do there? We're just going to like uh, go to Uray, Telluride. Hot Springs. Hot Springs, Orvis, yep. Uh, cross country. And he's probably going to snowboard. We got our van, finally. You did get the van? We got the van. Wow. Ford uh, Transit. Last I heard it was held up in Kansas City forever. Yeah, forever. I and was trying to convince him to drive to Kansas City to go get it. A lot of people were. Yeah. <laughs> Ford, what are you doing, Ford? Uh, but yeah, we got it. So thank you, so Ford. So this is a live-in van. You guys can... Yes. So that's what you're taking on your journey. Yes, but we're not going to live in it just yet because uh, we have a place to stay there. But yeah, so we're celebrating that. It's on the 20th. So oh, that'll awesome. be fun. Happy anniversary. Thanks. Great. Yeah, yeah. And you you just got engaged. I did, yeah. Ah, I know. So I did crazy. it. And we're now just telling everybody... So, oh, I didn't know if you wanted to tell. No, it's fine. I mean, we told obviously our parents, yeah, and when it like came up uh, in conversation, whatever, or we're wear she's wearing the ring out. You know, you right. can't avoid it. But for me, you know, I'm never gonna just like announce it. But she made I the f- she made the you. social media <laughs> post a yeah. couple days ago. So now everyone and their everyone. mother knows. Yeah, yeah, which was also bad because there were some people that just didn't tell. Because it's like, wow, well, I didn't, I haven't caught up with them, and I'm not yeah. the kind of guy that's gonna like call for that. So now people are texting me like, "You didn't tell me you got engaged." I'm like, "All right, man, my bad." Yeah, you know, you know, so it's not about you. So it's right? not about you. It's about, <laughs> it's about being engaged. It's fine. Yeah, they'll get over it. We're actually going to Moab this weekend to look at a wedding venue. <gasps> yeah, we want to make it as difficult for people to come to the wedding as possible. Perfect from, from the East Coast. I think yes. that's our plan. <laughs> <laughs> We had 17 at ours. Only 17, Only 17 people in Florida on the beach because it was COVID. It's good advice. Yeah, it was it was probably the best wedding ever. But we're going to have a five year celebration here. I look forward to my invitation. Yes. Yeah. Don't worry. You'll be one of the first. All right. Let me get Anyways, this back on track. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So you started teaching music. So, yeah. So I here. so I moved out to Colorado. But this is in Denver. Moved to Denver, uh, yeah, because that's where Brandon was living, and then he he got us a house that we could both live in, and then I started as a barista first, and then I was just like going to open mics, seeing you know who I wanted to play with, and it's just been it was just like a flow of musicians in and out for a bit to find my the right ones. It took about two years to find my next project, which was dark arts. And that was an amazing project. It it was seven years 
beautiful seven years of songwriting and writing with an actual band. That was the name of the band, Dark Arts? Dark Arts, yeah. How yeah. did you come up with that name? <laughs> there were so many names that we were like trying to do. And then we were like, should we be Liat? Just Liat? We were Liat for a bit because basically some of some of the songs that I had for my solo project, I brought to Dark Arts. So... And then they made it even better. So um, I always wondered about that. Like, is that like a big ego thing? To if if you like get this band together and you're like, all right, let's call it Will and the whatever. Yeah, they didn't want to do that. Yeah, they didn't want to do okay. it. Because then you're basically saying like, I'm the talent. And right. You guys could be anybody. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was so used to like backing bands and playing with backing bands and bands that just like supported my music, but they didn't care about being called Liat. But at one point, yeah, there was some difficulty like going from Liat to Dark Arts because some of them were just, I considered it just my songs. They were my songs that I brought to the band. So there was all this drama. I felt like sometimes I was dating three, four different guys at the same time, (laughs) all dealing with emotions and like my emotions and like, yeah, it's hard being in a band because there's a lot of drama. There's always going to be drama. That's why bands break up all the time, right? We are all egos, like walking egos, trying not to hurt each other, but then we hurt each other no matter what, and everyone's being a pus- like pissy pants. Yeah. Why don't you play it this way? Because I don't want to play it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so usually that was actually the one thing that we did do that was great was like we just went in it and then we loved what we brought to it. So that was a really cool learning experience for me to work with others. But then we started writing our own songs all together. When a band writes a song together, how does that work? Because someone comes up with an initial riff and then you just yeah. start playing it together. So we call it open jam. So like we used to record, we have hours upon hours of just jamming. And then we go back and listen to the jams and be like, oh, I really like that. Let's Let's do something with that. So that's how we would create songs is by improv. Like that's the only way you can create songs with bands is that if it's improv and you can create all together, but it's different for a singer songwriter. And everybody, even if it gets messy, y'all just keep hanging in and just sort of get back on track. Yep. It was a process. It's a very interesting process that I took for granted now because now I miss that. Um, cause I don't have, not necessarily, I don't have a band here, but I play with other musicians, but it's not the same. It's not the same. You don't have that connectivity having, of yeah. always practicing together, always playing together. Yeah. They were my brothers. Yeah. And so a lot of stuff happened in that. Can we still hear dark arts on oh, Spotify? Yeah. yeah. It's all one word. So don't, don't separate it. Dark arts. Dark arts. Yeah. And I highly recommend our newest album forecast. It's so good. That when was, did that come out? That came out. Two years ago or last Oh, so this is pretty recent. So you guys have been playing together recently. Yeah. Our last show that we did together was at Globe Hall in Denver two years ago in the summer, like in August. So, yeah, we've only been, I say hiatus, but it's like pretty much done, which sucks. Uh. Because our drummer just had a baby. He lives in, he also lives in Oklahoma. And I live out here, and then the two remaining members are in Denver, but they're doing their own thing. 
The ba- the death by baby. Death by baby. Who in their right mind would do that? Gosh, babies. <laughs> Ruin everyone's career. Gosh, How selfish babies. of him. I can't believe you're re- reproducing more humans. Jeez. <laughs> so since then, you've just been solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen you play at a number of venues around Palisade. Yeah. And you mostly doing a solo act. Yeah, yeah. How is that? Do you like that better? I've always been solo. Like, that was, like, me in Philly. Like, I've always kind of, like, looked out for myself and was uh, super professional about it. And um, it's probably easier. You don't have to so deal with all easier. the personalities. And correct so me if I'm wrong, easier. the technology is probably so great, you can just throw down a bass line and drums electronically now, right? Yeah, yeah. If you Not have that a looper, I want to replace anybody with, with robots. Ro- but <sighs> Even though we're going that way. <laughs> oh, we're going. So hard. <laughs> Let me take all your jobs. I don't you even want to go down that road because I'll spend 20 yeah, minutes on an old not man doing rant. That. So we're not doing another, that. another day. So yeah, so I was, um, I finally found a band that I loved and to be with. So we started playing lots of different shows in Denver and playing like a Rise Festival. That was one of our favorites to play at. Sadly, it's not no longer. But um, we were, yeah, we were a band for seven years. We actually, our first album that we recorded, we drove in our in our little well our big truck all five of us in a truck it's like two it's like two uh rows we drove to tahoe and recorded an album and that was a really cool experience and that was our first album ever and we really bonded there and that's when we were really serious we're like we're gonna go to the top we're not stopping ever and it was like we didn't stop that was the longest project i've been in yet so I'm excited for what is to come, though. What does it feel like to be a band in that state where you're, you finally like create this cohesive unit and you're playing well together, you're getting gigs, and you have that thought of like, hey, we can do this, we want to climb. What does that feel like? It feels awesome. It feels like you finally found your unit. You're like your family, and you you finally found like the break that you needed. Um, we just were really distracted at some points (laughs) and there was a lot of like really intense situations in that like our bass player was diagnosed with cancer at one point so he was that was really scary um and then our other bandmate he tried to commit suicide so like there was just a lot of darkness with dark arts that made sense though and so yeah we kind of like I don't know. When we named it Dark Arts, you want to lean into it a bit, but not too much. <laughs> and we were a pretty dark band. Like we're pretty, like we we uh, write pretty dark stuff. So you should listen to it, though. Well, do you it's have an MP3 file of it? Yeah, that yeah. you can send me. Yeah, because maybe I can. We'll use this opportunity right now. Yeah. to play the song in the middle of the episode. We Perfect. Can to yeah, it. let's let's do like um yeah. I'll send you one of the MP3s and you can check it out. Okay. What's the name of the song? The song. Let's see. Which one is my favorite? Black Sand. Black Sand. Yeah. All right. Let's pause a minute to listen to Black Sand. Yellow, turquoise, blue 
Okay. Cool. Tell, tell me about the song. What does it What does it mean so to you? So after my husband and I, Brandon, got married, we went on our honeymoon, but it was still COVID. So we went to the Pacific Northwest and we did a backpacking trip on the Lost Coast. So it's like the coolest, um, but also most painful I've ever been in. Because <laughs> it's on the trip. yeah, it's on. <laughs> It's on a beach, so you're slanted, and you're backpacking in the sand, so your feet are just, like, sinking in the sand, and it's slanted. So your hips are basically, like, messed The whole time up. you're on a beach? Or yes. it's, like, cove to cove? Yes. Ooh. And you have to make it, because there's some parts where, like, you have to make it at certain times, because some parts there's a high tide and low tide, and there's parts where it gets covered by the ocean, and then you gotta, you got to also, like, be mindful of those, like, waves that try to catch you. That's so fun. Were you taking so your shoes? Were you hiking bare feet? No. No. Okay. No, this is like, I think it was 27 miles, 30 miles. Um, but the the actual campsites were insane. They were, I mean, you we only saw like two people the whole time. That's amazing. So you feel like you're the last It's called the Lost Coast Trail? The Lost Coast Trail, yeah. I love that. Yeah. And um, so we, we would camp on these amazing, we called them five-star Five star, five star campsite. Campsites, what? yeah, because it's right on the beach, you know, and you're hanging out, and and no one's there, and you're, it's like basically all you. I, and I went with four dudes. It was just me and four dudes, and it was interesting because I was always <laughs> like the last one, and I was the slowest, and but it's okay. I'm I'm fine about it. I I do want to go on a girls backpacking trip. I think it would be a lot more fun, but it, this was a lot of fun too. Um, but we get to this one beach and it, it was black sand. And then I wrote that song, um, on the beach. Yes. I was doing some type of, of help. You're not supposed to share those industry secrets <laughs> of writing. It was a plant. <laughs> it was a plant and it was, uh, a fungi. <laughs> and I swear by the fungi will one day save the world. It'll bring it out of you. It'll bring it out of you. It'll bring it out. The black sand beaches uh, will also bring it out of you. And then also just hiking for that long will bring it out of you. So there was a lot. I think I stared at the ocean for like five hours straight. Just sat there and watched the waves. But what does the song mean to you? What are so, some of your favorite uh, lines of it or the emotion you're getting to? So it's about the abyss of the ocean, how it's the mother is drawing you in to the abyss of the unknown and she's calling and she's whispering and, but she's also like supporting you in this, in this darkness. And she is there to guide you like kind of like Pachamama and that sort of like realm of this motherly instinct and this, uh, this deepness of, of her and of her abyss that you can learn so much from. There's one part in it where I like beckon the witches of the water, witches of the fire, witches of the earth, witches of the air. And then you're, you're, and then there's the, that was like a bridge part of the song. And it's like running through rocks and stones to get to her sweet waters. She breathes, she breathes just like you do. So like connecting with the earth on the most deepest level of just actually breathing with her and like sitting with her. And just being. When you're writing a song, are you singing it in your head? Or are you worried about the melody later and you're just putting the words down just 
as you were writing a paragraph. It's interesting. There's all these different ways of writing songs, which I teach in Wake the Voice is songwriting. That's a big one for me. I actually have a lot of students in that realm and, and it's really fun to go into their heads and um, find how they express. And through my songwriting, I like to sit on the floor with my <laughs> guitar and just start a chord progression and just start singing and record, always record. Because you never know like when you're going to get that one melody that you really love. But then I'll be hiking sometimes and I'll hear this melody out of nowhere, just like straight down. I call them straight downloads. That's what happened with my song, O Canyon. That is a solo, Liat and the Sirens. That's my solo project. O Canyon was a straight download from the canyon by the Palisade Rim. And we should play that as well at one point. Or you can just send them a link to find it because it's, it's on about sp- the rim trail. It's it's about the yeah the Palisade Canyon, right there. Okay, send it to us. We'll I put will. it out. I will. I will. And it's like, oh Canyon, let your secrets be revealed. And then it's follow it slowly. Create the binds and heal. Dance with the weather, to create your own your own insides. And you just gotta listen to it. It's beautiful. I, as a writer, always get great ideas when I'm walking. Yes. Power walking or hiking yes. is yes. some of the best work I can do. Now, you're right. You have to have a pen or a pencil handy or mm-hmm. write it down on your phone because I get that all the time where I'll get this perfect line or these perfect series of lines in my head. And I'm like, cool, I got it. And then I don't write it down. And then when I sit down an hour later to actually put it down, I can't get it right again. You can't get it right. Which is some of the most annoying thing ever. Yeah. Excuse me. Bless. <coughs> ah. It's all good. What do you do if you sneeze on stage? You just go with it because you're human. <laughs> what? <laughs> you're human. You have to have an impeccable performance. I think that's that, – yeah, right? I've never seen anyone sneeze on stage now that I think I about it. I don't think I've ever seen anyone sneeze on stage either. You know, Bob Dylan, he usually doesn't work those into his uh, – <laughs> He <song>. should because <laughs> uh, he's gone downhill a lot. Well, he's like singing. 90, isn't he? Yeah, he doesn't care. He needs his voice woken. Oh, my gosh. His voice – he gets away with it, though. Some people get away with the raspy yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. I'm just con- I'm just concerned about the the girls in pop right now, like Billie Eilish and all these like little tiny voices. Tell me about that. Because what's happening is they're singing from the back of their throats, and that's not what you want to do. How do you know they're doing that? It you can hear it. You can hear it. Like I've because I've been a vocal coach for like over ten years now, and as a singer, you just hear things differently when other people sing. And you want to like forward that sound. There's you always have to forward that sound. So like, I think especially like these these singers that they're like baby voices like this. Yeah, it's all in the back of your throat, and you are like tensing. Like try talking in a baby voice. Are you uh, trying to embarrass me? Yeah. Do you feel it in the back of your throat? Yeah, I don't feel like I could do it that long. Yeah. Ah, what's a good song? I'm a singer. I like to sing. <laughs> At the Super Bowl. My boyfriend plays football. <laughs> I go to Taylor's, the Super Bowl. But you know what Taylor's Taylor Swift, she <laughs> sings very she sings in a in a healthy way. Okay. Sometimes she gets in that. I'm waiting for the Travis Kelsey breakup album. Yeah, I am waiting for that one too. Yeah, I think he should cheat on her. 
Because yep. that would actually launch her career even further. Yeah. She'd have all this material. I mean, can she go further? And then everybody would root against the Chiefs, which would be great yeah. for us Bronco fans. Yes. And then... Put all the would... energy in the Bronco part. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe Taylor could like hook up with Russell Wilson, for I mean, example. She, the world is her oyster. Like, why does she got to date some white guy? You know? Right? It's 2024. Like, I mean, come on. Come on. Like, like and date up. the quarterback at least. Yeah, like, like not what some, are you like, doing? Weird tight end position. Who cares? I mean, he he looks a little insane. <laughs> I would never trust any football player because they've gotten so many concussions that like they could snap. Yeah, all of them. Or they'll d- just die at fifty. Yeah, yeah. And just forget you everything. Don't, you don't get those brain cells back. Or like a lot of at football players, they just come really fat when they're older. Yeah, because be- they're so used to like being bulked, bulked up. up. Yeah, and they just let themselves go. Not Tom Brady. Well, Tom is Tom. <laughs> Come on. Tom's dating models, you know? He's like, fine. Tom's like, He's oh, healthy. that's cute. You're dating Taylor Swift. Like, hold my beer. Like, yeah. I was married to Giselle. Yeah. <laughs> he was. I totally forgot about that. Who's Tom dating now? I have no idea. Whoever he wants. I mean, whoever he wants. Like, his his world is his oyster. Everyone's world is their oyster. He had a Super Bowl commercial. He did. Did you notice how every Super Bowl commercial had essentially no plot? but just relied on having a celebrity in it. Yes, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in State Farm. Literally every commercial, yeah. I think except for the couch potato one, they all had celebrities. Yeah. And there was no plot. Like the Michael Sarah one was about some skin Oh, Sarah thing, Bay. And yeah. it was just like... But I'm remembering this. Isn't that weird? Well, it sucks because, yeah, Isn't we're talking weird? about it now. But it's just... Like, where did the creativity go? Now, our culture is so funny. Oh it's just gosh. all about like, oh, I recognize that person, so I'm going to buy that product. I, I just don't get it. Oh, my gosh. And then all of these remakes of movies, like, come on, guys. It's really annoying. What are you doing? There's thousands upon thousands of books. Go read a book <laughs> and go make a movie from that book. I think they just want something easy that they know they can sell. They're literally remaking um, – actually, they're they're making Wicked – and Twister, they're remaking Twister. I can't even handle that. <laughs> what are you going to do to make the uh, make it different? It's they about even said the cheesy a line. They're like they're sisters. I saw the preview of it during the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. It was so. It just infuriates it's, me. It, it, See, we share the Jersey rage. We do, which I appreciate. We do. Like yes. there is a thing to East Coast spite. Yeah. And Jersey spite. Oh yeah. And I'm like that. Like I will. It's like, what are you doing? If someone crosses me, quote unquote, whatever <laughs> that means, but yeah, someone annoys me. I'll like let it go in the moment, but I will remember it forever. Yep. And then I'll like sit on it. And yep. hopefully by the time it comes back around where you can act, mm-hmm. you've put it away. Mm-hmm. But the jersey in me always hangs on to it. And I'm like, yep. okay, well, we'll see. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. It's with something you. about East Coast survival. Yeah. Because it's so much more it, rat race and competitive. Yeah. Yes. And you're always trained growing up to compete, like compete. no matter what it is. Yeah. There's got to be a winner. It's got to be. That's why I can't get into soccer. I'm like, what do you mean they tied? <laughs> like I tell Brandon all the time, I'm like, dude, you just watched a game and no one won or lost. Yeah. That like, was. Those are always the most boring games. I'm like, what's the point? There must be a winner. There must be a Someone winner. Someone must dominate and win. I mean, that's what happened at the Super Bowl. There was a winner. There yeah. was a winner. It went into overtime, but they I got know. a winner. It was they probably the most boring overtime game I've ever seen. Yeah. I was kind of over it just because of the Taylor Swift thing. I they just, just felt like the media just went too far. Too with far, it. and they kept like filming over her. And over it was like Taylor and, and football. Again. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like she's just going to watch her boyfriend play football. Yeah, like let her be. It's like. Like let her be a fan. Well, I think she wanted 
the publicity, she, didn't you? Did she? I don't yeah, know. she did. So you think she's a good singer? I think like, she I is. I don't connect with her at all. I, I you know, um, I did a Swifty wedding this past summer. What so I play mean? weddings. What is a Swifty wedding? It's where you play Taylor Swift pretty much the whole time for the Swifty fan. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. So I the had a whole learn... reception is just. Well, I Taylor mean, Swift. okay. So I, I, I don't see that I'm as exaggerating. Like dance party music. That's I'm more exa- of like, yeah. I broke up with someone. I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm exaggerating because yeah, there was a lot of songs that I was like, we can't play this. We can't play this. This is, this is about breaking up. I don't think they want this at their wedding, but, um, but I play like love story and lover and invincible string, but you know what? I really enjoy the one album folklore. Have you listened to that one? I haven't. No. I love that album. It's a really good album because it's just her. I think she wrote it during COVID, so she didn't really care. She didn't care about. She didn't care about how. Yeah, she was just like, you know, what? I'm just going right to write. I then that's. Well, I gotta make some, I, a couple mil. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw this cool. out there. It's yeah. cool. Um, but also, I learned this from one of my students because a lot of my students love Taylor Swift, so I just always teach Taylor Swift. So I'm I'm kind of in that realm. I guess that's a useful vehicle to help connect by using their favorite artists. and also it's really good to uh reflect with songwriting because she 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 is a good songwriter i think um does she general, actually write the songs do you think she i think she does i think How she has tell? some help How i have no idea it's so hard to tell if you've actually written a song or not you know what you can tell sometimes because like if someone made the melody separately and then a singer comes and puts their words on it, you'll find there's some parts of the song where the words are like jumbled together. Just like try to make it fit. Yeah, try to make it fit. <laughs> try to make it fit. And so if it's an actual singer or songwriter, they'll make everything fit and everything flow. You know, I've heard that before in yeah. songs. And I'm like, hmm, seemed a little rushed. Yeah. So but that's, that's where they're trying to match a, a song that was written differently yep. to a melody. Yep. Oh, interesting. Yep. Okay. And then sometimes they just don't write it at all and they just come on in and they're like, you need to sing this. Hmm. That's very common, yeah. I would think. I think right? that is, yeah. Because some people are probably great singers, but like, don't I feel write like well. Ariana Grande does not write anything. And like all those new singers, Billie Eilish, I think she does. I think she. she you writes. said you were concerned about them. Do you mean for their health or just for the state of the music industry? I'm concerned about their voices. That they're going to ruin their voice? Yeah, definitely. too much stress. I mean, look at Steven Tyler. He can't sing anymore. Celine Dion, she can't sing anymore. She can't? No. Isn't she doing a residence in Vegas still? No. Oh, it's done. She literally cannot sing ever again. Julie Andrews can't sing ever again. Celine Dion can't? She can't. Do you want to hear a funny story so about Celine sad. Dion? It's kind of funny, so sad. My dad, I was just telling you before we came on, passed away in 2015. Right. When he passed, you know, obviously you have to go through the house and the car and everything. And I remember I got into his car and I was driving it away and I was like, obviously devastated. And this car had a lot of significant value. I actually still have it. If you've seen the car in my garage, Uh, I went to my senior prominent. I made out with my date in the back seat. You guys. So it was like a very nostalgic car. So I'm taking this and driving away and I notice it's an older car. You know how it has like you can has a little el- emblem when there's a CD in the yeah, slot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, there's a CD in this car. And my dad never talked about music, never played any instruments, never shared anything. And so I'm like, oh, I I got to see what this is. I'm expecting it to be like a comedy album or something. I push play, and it's Celine Dion's greatest hits. Oh my gosh. 
And my dad was like a homicide detective, kind of like stern, badass. So the fact that he had Celine Dion and that was the CD of all of it, I still have it. And when I get in his car, I'll play it and I'll like cry listening to it. It's it's amazing. Yeah. So I like Celine Dion. I'm I'm kind of a fan now for for weird reasons, but I mean, you don't need weird reasons. Celine Dion (laughs) is just one of the best singers ever to walk this earth, and she she had such powerful parts in her music like because i'm your lady i love it and you That's just give me a little my man. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh but those those songs are so hard to sing and over and over could you imagine having a residency in las vegas and singing them every single night no. you're gonna you're gonna get vocal fatigue you're gonna be like I mean, I, yeah, she's, she had to be working with like ear, nose and throat doctors, speech pathologists, vocal coaches, definitely. So the coolest part about back to, this was a question a long time ago, speech pathology and what speech pathologists do, they don't work with singers. That's the only people they don't work with, but they work with uh, people that go through sex changes. So bringing their voice higher or bringing their voice lower in a safe and healthy way because that's the only thing that does not change in a sex change is your voice is your voice yeah so if you take all the hormones and everything yep. you'll still talk in your initial yep. voice oh interesting yeah yeah nothing changes so so they go to speech pathologists to learn how to speak in a higher or lower tone really and i wanted to work with with that demographic but I had to go back to school and I didn't want to and I wanted to keep going with my music. But um, Why don't speech pathologists work with singers? Seems like that would be yeah. a big market for them. Right? You would think that, but it's speech. It's not specifically singing because singing is different than speaking. But I see it as the same in many ways. But there are certain things where a vocal coach would need to work with a speech pathologist. I think they should come together and share. And that's where I come in. That's where Wake the Voice comes in. Tell us how you came up with Wake the Voice. Yeah. So I did this I did this crazy awesome book called The Artist Way. You did it? Yeah. You mean you wrote it? No. Oh. It's a 12-week course and you can just buy the book. And basically it's like pretty much like I knew my purpose, but I didn't know where where to go with it because I had so many projects going on. I wanted to be a music teacher, but then I wanted to be a performer, but then I wanted to be in a band and then a singer-songwriter, and I wanted to help people, and I didn't know like how to put it all together. So my one of my friends told me about The Artist Way, which is like a process, a general process of finding closer to your purpose and what steps you need to take to get there. So it's a 12-week uh, program, and it's amazing. And so there's... And it's for anything, singing, writing? Anything, anything. Just like, any just creativity? Any creativity or any, like, if you're just kind of lost and you need a little pick-me-up, buy the book, Artist Way, because I swear by it. That's how Wake the Voice came to be. So basically, it was like, write down all the things that bring you joy, and then um, after that, you know find commonalities or like similarities about all of them so I wanted to help people I wanted to still teach music and I wanted to still be creative and all of that 
And I was already doing vocal coaching, but I wanted to like deepen the vocal coaching practice where I would put like um, more meditative tonal meditations where it's open sound meditations. And then I have these exercises called disappearing into sound and different vocal exercises to connect with your voice in a very deeper way that you've ever connected. So it's more than just a voice lesson. It's going back to where, like say, like you wanted to start singing and you didn't know where to start. Wake the Voice would be the perfect place to start because you go back to where you were you were told or you told yourself that you couldn't sing. And I think in general, singing is a therapy and it is used to heal in many ways. Do you think most people have that story where they were told or told themselves that they couldn't sing at some point in their life? Yes. And I definitely remember that for yes. myself. And it's usually in, in their childhood. Yep. So like going back to that place talking to, I do like a lot of somatic integration. So like going into the body, um, talking to the part of your body because the body knows the body keeps a score. That book, the body keeps score. Yeah. Keep score. Yeah. So a lot of like it's stored in different parts of you. So like going back into that and asking questions and then singing after like you journal, we do like somatic integration and then you journal and then you sing at the very end. Like, like I'll play like two chords and you just let it out. Hmm. So it's this like therapeutic release of your voice. Is your belief that anybody can sing? Yes. But people have just repressed it. Yes. Because I remember it's like the old joke where you're singing along in the car and then my sister will be like, Hey, Will, do you know who sings this song? I'll be like, Oh yeah, it's Taylor Swift. They'll be like, well, let's keep it that way or something like that, uh, right? You know, like yep. that kind of joke. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, people just discourage you. I remember I was, <coughs> excuse me, I was a little into playing music when I was in high school and I got a little tape that was like born to sing and I would go in my room and try and improve my vocal and literally my family would make fun of me for it. No. And I remember just being repressed by that. And I used to be in choir when I was little. I was never a great singer or like a solo, but kind of like you described. It's kind of what you do, I think, growing up in Jersey. You just join the choir at your school or whatever. Theater, yeah. So I I liked singing. But somewhere along the way, kind of like dancing. I think like dancing is the same way. I can Mm -hmm. definitely remember a time in my life where my dancing was repressed. Where Mm -hmm. when I was younger, I would be – like you look at kids. They'll dance all the time. But then all of a sudden – you know, look around the room at a wedding and you'll see grown men who are afraid to dance or something. And somewhere along the the line that got repressed. Yeah. Isn't it horrible what we do to each other? Gosh, It's like the most, the joys of life are just like put down and just never, don't ever do that in your life. Don't ever feel joy. Is it all about because we want to look, we don't want to look stupid or sound stupid or we're afraid to be good or bad? Because we put, it's again, I guess it's our fault, Jersey, like the winning and losing. It's like (laughs) you either have to be good at singing or bad at it. You can't just do it. Or dancing. That was my mentality. I was like, well, if I'm not a good dancer, I shouldn't dance. Right. I think that's all over the world. But now there's these things called like ecstatic dance where it's a dance therapy. You go in, you don't talk to anyone and you just dance. Just freak out. Just freak out. Do whatever you want. You feel it out. Yeah. And it's been, yeah, it's, I think we, we just started out here 
um, Jack, his name's Jack and Lauren, and they um, are are leading an ecstatic dance out here um, at Rev Cycle. Mm. So they've been doing like blacklight ecstatic dance where you go in and you set an intention and you just start dancing and you don't talk to anyone and you just let release through dancing. Kind of, that sounds fun. We should go sometime. Okay. I'm I would down. like to do that. Yeah. yeah. The next one they do. I don't know when the next one is, but I'll. How do you get people to get over that? Because that's yeah. like a little bit of therapy. Yeah. Feels like. Yeah. It's definitely therapy um, in a sense. And I use. So that's where. So. Um, it's so hard. Everyone's different. But. The main goal is to become comfortable with your voice again. Because I don't think a lot of people, a singing voice again. So like leaving judgment to rest, quieting the mind, because it's all in your mind. And I always say quiet the mind, open the heart. That's a quote from Ram Das. quiet the mind, open the heart. Love some Ram Das. Yeah, he's been really good lately. I don't know why, I've just been listening to a lot of him. And um and there's and then you just leave judgment to rest too and you find this opening and this freedom to express and it's just you and I and we sit down and I just start playing and you sing with me and it's like I've gotten feedback in my workshops where like they say I I've given them permission to be okay with singing again and then they give permission to themselves to be okay with singing again and then having and then I teach about the basics of singing so like the support what we were talking about in the beginning the support of your diaphragm the support sing from not your chest and up in your head sing from like your your roots and the bottom of you and like where it all started so your child so we basically try to find your child again and play because that's all it is. It's like, how can we play with our voice again? How can we go into our inner child and play? What is it about that singing, for example, where people will belt out in the car yeah. and sing? And you can, I love it when I'm on the highway and I drive by someone and they're by themselves just yeah. singing and rocking out. And I have some great memories of road trips or even just driving to high school of just turning up the radio and just going at it yeah it feels so good but somewhere along the line we just forget it yeah or we don't do it anymore and you do or you do it and it's like by yourself you know like i call them in the closet singers only by yourself in that's the, i'm yeah. a closet singer closet singers sure. or sing in the car the car shower. singers shower singers yeah because like you've you're 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 not around anyone you're playing you're playing it's a good way to put it you're playing. So like, how can we learn how to play? So I teach people how to find their inner child and play with your inner child. Now, this is a course that's in person or it's online. I, I think you have a module, right? Where you have recorded yourself. And so yeah. people don't, they can do this on their own yep. until they get comfortable. I think that's a big part of it because I would be intimidated just to go and sit with you. And then you're like, okay, we'll sing. It's yep. like, I don't know yeah. how. Yeah. People have told me like in person lessons and sessions, they're like, I was so scared coming here today and I'm still really scared. And I'm like, that's normal and natural. Like this is a really vulnerable space. This is a really very like, um, you're showing your true self at, to a stranger. Like, 
But as we do sessions more and more, you start to open up more. Most of my sessions are actually um, virtual because I have clients all over the world. Mm. So what happens during my virtual sessions is that you are muted the whole time. I do not hear you. So I sing, but you don't hear me. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So you're still singing pretty much by yourself. But I'm guiding you in different exercises to open the voice more. So it doesn't even matter what I sound like. Nope. You're not trying to make me be good or bad. No, I just want you to heal through your voice. Oh, interesting. So this is the Wake the Voice program is not about becoming necessarily a better singer. Exactly. It's about it's about reuniting yes. with your voice and your inner child and that yes. play. Yes. That is cool. Yes. It's a it's a new way of doing therapy in your own safe house. But if you feel like you want that extra challenge, come on over. I teach from my house in Palisade and and we sit in my room in my office and Well you have a studio there. Yeah, I have a I've studio. And you have mm-hmm. all your singing bowls and yep. your guitar. It's a mm-hmm. it's a music Piano. room. Yeah. yeah, it's a music room and we just sit on the floor and we ground ourselves and we meditate and do some breath work and then we go into just opening our voices together. So that's the difference of virtual and in in person. Some people feel more comfortable in person because they feel more held and and heard. Others are like, no, I'm not ready for that. I want to do virtual. But then there's, yes, the courses. So you just released a course. I just released a course called Wake the Voice, Ignite Through the Elements. It's a five-day course. So I recommend it to people that are interested in Wake the Voice but don't really know where to start and they don't want to do a session yet. Start with that. Start with ignite your voice through the elements. Each day you go through an element. So like the first day is um, earth. So you're grounding with your voice and you get chant. That's written by me. You get a wake the voice album. You get a meditation, a guided meditation. Um, but you're literally on the module, right? Yeah. This is a course people do at home. Yeah. You pop up on a video. Yeah. So you have pre-recorded these yep. lessons. Mm-hmm. So we are with you, but just it's a little safer. It's a little safer. Which I think is such a, again, to read it, like it's such an important component of this. Yeah. Because you can do it in your little safety bubble. Exactly. And it's self-paced. So like if you feel like you want to do it once a week or you know, not every day, but I recommend you just go full force into it and do it every day. But if you don't have the time, it's self-paced. So it's like, take your time with it. Plus it can get really heavy, especially like the first day is like finding that inner child and grounding and rooting, rooting in it. And then, um, yeah, so you do a yoga practice, a chant, a vocal activation warm up, which is pretty much like open, opening your voice. Um, and then journaling. So like how you felt before versus after the, the, um, course each day. What led you to create this? What did you see in people where you thought this would be of a need? Yeah. So I felt like the elements are already in us, you know, we're very, um, we're already very, we already know them very well. So earth, air, fire, water, we're ether, we're surrounded by them at all times. So bringing the voice into with them already working with the voice. So you kind of have this power that you bring in through those elements 
to give you more of, of confidence to begin to connect to your voice. So like with water, you want to flow like water. You want to imagine there's a lot of visualization when you are singing. So like become water with your voice. With fire, you want to ignite. You want to ignite that fire inside your core inside. So like igniting and warming your body in this way, um, igniting the voice. And then um, air is all about creating space within yourself and letting go. And then the ether is bringing all of them together. Do these correspond with different types of music, like fire with death metal and air with... uh... That could have been cool, though. (laughs) Maybe for my next one. But (laughs) no, I do set... I do, like, in the chants, like the fire chant, it's like, fire, 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 burn, 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 igniting my voice, my soul is returned. And that's the whole time, and you're singing that, like, for five minutes. And you can sing it, like, all day. But you have this, like intention intentional chant that you're chanting and like it'll it'll bring that into your day too so like see what happens that shifts in your day when you have that chant in you and you're singing it all day now how will i feel like is this to kind of release energy inside me like how will i feel after i've done this a lot of people felt de-stressed grounded more able to express more of how they felt instead of keeping it inside, they wanted to speak up. A lot of the people that have taken it have had made life shifts, which was crazy. One of my clients and that took it, she moved, she moved out of her house. She was like, I took your course and I want to be mindful of my life and I want to make it the best I can. And I want to be closer to my daughter. That's so cool. And she just moved out. She, her and her husband just moved out and went back to where her daughter, to be closer to her daughter. Is this kind of therapy used elsewhere? No. So you I created, created this. this from the ground up. Yeah. This is this is a very new um, way of approaching healing. And uh, for depression too, if you have struggled with depression, this is, this is super, it, it's, it's just like the best way without medication. <laughs> if you need medication please please take medication um but, but do this too but do this too yeah because it, singing makes you happy it it actually creates in your body i mean it like stimulates the parasympathetic it relaxes your body it does so it has so many amazing positive uh properties to it I agree. Honestly, singing without fear of judgment yep. makes you feel so good. That's, that's why rocking teach. out on a like with the windows yeah. down, singing, yeah, just feels so good. Yeah, just like today, take your t- after you listen to this podcast, listen to your favorite song and, and belt it out by yourself. Remember how you feel before versus how you feel after. Hundred percent, you're gonna feel better. You're gonna feel better. There's something weird about music too. When I was thinking about talking to you, because my favorite band in high school and in college was the Counting Crows. Nice. You know, I was pretty cool, obviously. But a lot of it was because you, I was you, a... You still are. ...a budding writer. And so yeah. I loved Adam Duritz. I thought he oh, was just great. such an incredible writer. And everything he wrote about at the time connected with me and very deeply. But now, if a Counting Crows song comes on, and all my friends from the past know that I was huge into them, if I hear a song now, I'm kind of embarrassed by it. 
Really? And I've noticed, I'm like, wait, why? that's so weird. Like, why would I be, at one point in my life, yeah. have such a strong connection with this? And now when I listen, I'm a different person. You're older. Your emotions are different. So maybe I'm not connecting as deeply. Yeah. But I'm, I guess I'm maybe hearing the music differently now, which I think is kind of a thing with music where there's some quote from a TV show. It's like, it's not the music, it's how and when you hear it. Yes, That really exactly. makes you connect with it. Yeah. And so now if I were to listen to some Counting Crows song, I may not connect the same way, but I also might be like, oh, this is kind of, oh, I don't want my friends to like put the Grateful Dead back on, you know, like look, oh, I want to be cool. Because there's yeah. something about music where people are really judgmental about music. People love bands or they hate bands. They love genres or they hate genres. Yeah. And if you were to put a song on in the car, someone's going to listen to that song and be like, oh, wow, well, we'll put on this country song or we'll put on this like stupid Counting Crows song. I mean, I guess he's not cool. And <laughs> this could be on my head, but I also just feel that way with music. It's very, people are very particular. And so I feel like you always get pushed into a corner with music and maybe I just need to be more courageous and just let my light shine. Yeah. But do you see that in other people where music takes them in any direction like that? Or you had a connection at one point and now you really don't. I just find that that's fascinating. That is super fascinating. And you know what? It's true because you were also a different person back then. You like have lived so many different lives. And I think you just needed to hear that at that time. Like I used to listen to like screamo music in high school and now I'll, I'll have my days where I'm like, I want to reminisce. Mm. But I, I won't like listen to it like it's the best music in the world anymore. Would you put it on in a car full of your friends? Probably. And you wouldn't be embarrassed and about I, it? And I think I, the way I would do it is I would say, this is what I used to listen to in high school. You okay. know? Like, yeah. so just of, of more of a memor- memor- like memory, memorable times and it brings me back to certain times like you know how like scents do that too and like music instantly it's like right back right back to that certain part of your life totally yeah and like it, usher for the super bowl half oh my gosh <laughs> when i was hearing like some you of those got, songs got yeah bad. i'm like wow i'm at a frat party in college right now yes like, yeah yeah mm. yes <laughs> like grinding on people i'm like wow. what was up with grinding grinding that was it was yeah. always with Usher songs. That but was the dance. That was really when I was younger I would dance more freeform, but then yeah, it's like high school college, you didn't really dance, you no, just, just like kind of grinded on yeah. people, which was really weird. Very weird. And but, then like uh, do you remember the the heel toe too? Oh, I was never that fancy. The heel What's toe. The heel toe. It was like that like Where you kick it out? Remember? Yeah, I don't know what song it was, but yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. But I back to the the music comment. I try my best in my sessions not to I ask how they're feeling first. Like for the last part, we do improv. And it's usually like ev- we bring everything together of what we were working on in the session through song. So I ask how they're feeling at that specific time and then I put it into chords. So that that to me is like my creative songwriting expression because I love to, um, I wrote music for a documentary like a couple years ago. You did? For WordPress. Yeah, it was played at WordPress International Convention and I got to meet the guy who like 
started WordPress. That's cool. So I like, so like I loved, I wanted to be a composer for so many years and I still do of just like writing for commercials and TV and stuff. So I really wanted to get into the energies of the scene and, and how they're feeling. And so I put, I practiced that for a couple of years because I was really serious about getting into placements in, in TV and film. Um, but it's, it's like one in a million. It's so hard. It's so hard to get placed in certain to have your music placed or yeah. to get a, okay. Yeah. Because I always see in movies how there's a guy at a piano, he's watching yep. the movie on a big screen, and then he just plays along to whatever he feels. Is that actually how it happens? That's actually how it happens. Really? Yeah. Wow. And yeah, that's what you have... did for this documentary? Yeah. So like, of, of and I did it with ukulele and some, and then guitar and then, yeah, there was no voice. So it was just like feeding off of the energies of the scene and playing their energies. That's what I used to do in live music and yoga, too. So I used to play all the instruments in yoga classes, and I would feed off their energies. So I'm really good at f- at looking at the person's energy at the time and then playing how they're feeling. Hmm. Like if they're feeling sad, yeah. more slow blues thing. Yeah. If they're pumped up, yeah. doing something faster. Yeah, and it usually goes hand in hand with their words or their sounds or whatever they're trying to release. And um, that's why I like it because it's so out there and it's so open and there's really nothing like it in the world right now. And I want to be the first. And I am the first. And this just came out. This just came out. A couple months ago. And you're lucky to live in Palisade because you guys are... This is ground zero. Ground zero right now. Here it is. Here it is, Palisade. So how does someone reach you or sign up for this? Yeah, it's um, just wakethevoice.com. Or you can email me at liat at wakethevoice.com. You can also listen to Liat and the Sirens on all streaming sites. And dark arts as well, one word, on all streaming sites. But yeah, go to wakethevoice.com. That's the best way to contact me. And are you gigging around town anywhere soon that we can find you? I'm uh, I'm actually going to Denver to play a show at Swallow Hill Music on February 24th, but... That's a big ask, coming to Denver. I know, coming to Denver, just kidding. Coming to Junction's a big I ask. I am opening <laughs> the, right? I am opening the Palisade Farmer's Market on June 2nd. You are? Yeah. Is that the f- June 2nd, the first day? Yeah. Is that decided? That's we decided. haven't seen the schedule yet. Oh, si- sorry, Serafina. Yeah. <laughs> well, man. You heard it here first, Palisade Podcast. <laughs> no, we've been waiting for the schedule for the kombucha, too, but yeah. I don't think they've, uh, I yeah. guess they're updating software or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. She told me, she was like, you want to just do the first one? And I s- said, yes, uh, June 2nd will be good. Um, oh, I am playing at Devil's Kitchen a bunch. Cool. I've never been there. Um, it's really cool. Is it good? Oh, it's so good. Is it yeah. fine dining? Or? It's fine dining, okay. yeah. So you want to go on a special occasion, but they have the best views, oh my gosh, of the monument and Gar- Mount Garfield and the Mesa. They had those igloos up top for a while, yep, right? Yep, they still have them. Oh, they're still there. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And what kind of music do you play there? I just play like background folk, all... Genre. Well, I play mostly like folk um, from like 60s, 70s till today. Some 50s. I 
play I just played a show for Valentine's Day last night at Bookcliff Country Club. It was sold out. It was so cool. Really? So hopefully I think I'll be playing wink wink at the Bookcliff Country Club more so in the summer with golfers. So that'll be fun. They have a restaurant there? Yeah. Is that what you're playing in? Yeah, the and world? they have a pool, so they were like, Yo, you wanna play at the pool? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> I'll play the pool. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah. And then um let me see what I've been playing in Aspen a bunch. Yeah, you uh also lead retreats. I lead right. retreats, yep. And then I also um that's how the Wake the Voice started. It was because I led helped led a song lead a retreat and people were like, You've woken my voice and that's where Wake the Voice came from. Oh, that came in from Costa, feedback. In Costa Rica. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And Wake the Voice is your Instagram, right? At Wake the Voice? At Wake the Voice. Yeah. Instagram. I'm also coming out with, it'll be launched March 1st, Wake the Voice for the Speaker. Oh. Yes. This sounds right up my alley. Yes. <clears throat> speaker, meaning teacher, uh, fitness instructor, um, public speaker, podcaster, anyone that uses their voice a ton it's more of a vocal therapy 101 with me. And does that mean teaching me how to speak better or make my voice last longer or be more powerful? All of it. All of the above. All of the above. So how to sustain your voice, how to keep it healthy, what to eat, what to not eat, what we were kind of talking about in the beginning, different practices. It's really an intention too. Yep. Constantly, even now when I'm trying to focus on speaking from my core. And you're sitting up straight. This looks like a great posture. Yeah, I've been slouching yep. the whole time. Here That's I am okay. sitting I'm slouching up, too right now. Right? And I'm trying, but it's it's effort. Yeah. And it almost takes away from what I'm trying to say because I'm focused on right. keeping my... So like, how can we get to that point where you don't even notice what you're doing? And how will this benefit me long term? You think it will save my voice? I think so. Wow. Sustain it. Keep it healthy. Lots of water. Mm, always. Uh, always lots of water. When in doubt, just drink water. <laughs> Don't drink anything else. Just drink water. But it's just a 101 You know, course. coffee's mostly water. <laughs> <laughs> I know totally. we're running out of time, but yeah. I have one more question yeah, for you. Yeah. I'm just curious about the business of music. When you're gigging around, is this a giant hustle because you're competing with so many people? Is this something like if, if, if you have students who are in high school who are playing guitar in bands, like what advice do you give them? What insight do you give them into going forward? Yeah. Well, when you are in the cities, it's like a rat race to like get booked and to, and it's comp, it's competition. Like the bigger the city, the bigger the competition, the more saturated it's going to be. Um, but keep, keep standing your ground and finding yourself different from anyone else. Like no one has your voice. No one will ever have your voice. Just remember that. And I tell all of my students that are in high school that just keep doing what you're doing because you are the only person that is you in this world. No one else is like you. So just remember that like being authentic and being original and not conforming and not boxing yourself in to other sounding like other vocalists and becoming your own vo voice is so important and that takes years like i'm still finding my voice that's like is wake the voice is just the beginning 
I find that with writing too. If I read right. a Hemingway book, then I'm going to start writing like Hemingway. Hemingway. Yep. If I read a Fitzgerald book, the next week I'm writing yep. like he did. And always trying to, yeah, like use those influences use to those influences, help definitely. you. Yeah. But it's it's easy to imitate. And I would think with singing, it would oh be gosh, very easy to do. It's the same thing. I, I'm so good at imitating um, like different singer-songwriters. Like, you got an impression you want to share with us? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's like... There's like the cranberries that I used to always try to be, try to sound like her, like, yeah, you know, zombie. Yeah. So like zombie or like, um, Tori Amos, she's like, or, or Fiona Apple, uh, or Alanis Morissette. You've already won me over in spite of me. But all these people are beloved because they are unique. They are beloved because they are unique and they kept their voice going. So what happens is that you pull from all these different voices and then you create your own through that. And that's an intentional process. It really is. Because I feel like you could be influenced just if you're not conscious of it. Then you just start sounding like someone else. But then you lose your competitive advantage to your point. Right, right. But it's it's interesting because just like go into nature and just start writing. Because you don't have any influence anymore. Like, you'll have it in your head, but, like, you'll also hear the all of the sounds of nature and all of the sounds that, like, are just so born naturally in the environment. Like, take those sounds, too. So, for you, nature is a big influence. It is a big influence. And I've looked past that so many times, and I'm just like, I need to just accept the fact that I need to be in nature. Mm. Sometimes I fight it. Sometimes I'm like, no, I need to be in the city. I need to be around all the other influences, all the other people that are trying to do what I'm doing. And yes, that is important too. You need to surround yourself with creatives because they're the ones that inspire you. But you also need to go on your own and, and be inspired by the natural world. I agree. I honestly, I feel like for a lot of my writing career, I always felt really uncomfortable when I was in big groups of writers who were always trying to yeah it's it's intimidating but it just it wasn't helpful because I would hear what they're doing and then try and either mimic that or or why aren't I doing that or follow that and you lose sight of your own unique path yeah moving out here to western Colorado it just has really helped me focus on me and what I want to do and my my quote-unquote voice and that is so important I think it's so important and and it kind of yeah, right. When I felt the same way, Will, when I moved out here, is like I finally got to quiet all of the distractions and got to focus on the business, on Wake the Voice, on what are my intentions to write these days and to help people, because that's my that's my intention is to f- help people find their voice again, and that's it. And then let them be whatever original person they want. And it's interesting because I auditioned for like so many vocal programs in the art schools. And like, so like jazz, I auditioned for opera. Like I trained in opera for a bit and that was really cool. And I put that into my singing lessons as well as the opera training is very important. That's like the basics of singing is opera. That's like as high and as low as you can go, right? Yeah, but it's more than that. It's like all diaphragmic breathing and control and how you pronounce your words. 
Anyways, we can talk about that another time. But <laughs> well, I'm proud of everything you've created. I think it's awesome. Thank you. I've seen some testimonials online <clears throat> from other people yeah. in Palisade that have tried your software. So I recommend people go check them out. Yes. At Wake the Voice, wakethevoice.com. Yes. Thanks so much for coming by, spending some oh, time. Thanks for having me. This has been fun. Really fun conversation. Yeah. You inspired me today. I'm going to sing while I'm brewing kombucha. Woo! All day. All day. Just out. belt it out. I mean, you're all by yourself in here right I now. I know. So. It's great. <laughs> now I can do it without judgment. We're in a secret location. Exactly. Semi-secret. Semi-secret, but it's so cool I've got here. stuff on the walls now, kind you of. You do. So you do. this will all be like parts of my life eventually. <gasps> One day, Palisade will know where the secret location will be. Maybe I'll put a Counting Crows poster up. Oh, my gosh. You should. I actually have. You should. That's I, like your basis. I know. I have a signed picture from Adam Duritz. Yeah. Because I got to interview him once. And it was really scary Whoa. because, yeah, I actually was really scared when I got the opportunity to do it because you never want to meet your idols sometimes because yeah. I was so enamored by him and inspired by him i was like well what if i meet him he's like, a dick oh my gosh you yeah know, he's or just like in a bad mood and treats oh no. me kind of whatever I'm like this could be scary but it, it went awesome nice. he was super nice to me and he signed a photograph for me like the band photograph so maybe i'll bring it over here you should that's so inspiring i'm gonna be proud of the counting crows you should be proud I'm of the listen counting, to some crows. counting crows you should blast it in here today <laughs> and just like listen to all their albums listen was, to all of it the album hard candy was i remember getting my license yeah driving for the first time and that was the first album i listened yo to. that so that's a memory that's right a there. transition right there like do, do you remember like i just it's just so crazy that like you go from being so dependent on your parents and then suddenly a second later you're independent freedom freedom that is a defining point Driving of my down life. those jersey war roads I oh i remember it i remember i think i went to like a bagel the bagel bin it was like this bagel place and i was just like i'm going by myself yeah i didn't go anywhere i just drove to my friend's house oh or whatever <laughs> but it was the best just with the windows down and just the smile on my face yeah. knowing that I had this freedom now going forward and all the potential. It's just like waking the voice. <sighs> I loved it. Leah, thank you so much for thank coming by. Thank you, Will. Appreciate you so much. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Bye. Sing today. Go sing your song. Yes. Now I'm riding the terrain, flying high up once again. Got my crew sitting healthy and my boo living wealthy. Level 99, never settle in my mind. So I pedal and I climb up the pedestal and find almighty weapons. So I calm lightly step into the castle, satchel, tackled, wrestled. Down the corridor where I'm grounded through the floor. Round house into my core, down, out, and through the door. Sword down at my side, I gotta round up and ride. Face boss, break jaws till I take off. Face off, stop and swing my serious strike this is it take the title disappear in the night to the whole wide world got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle then i walk out travel to the whole wide world got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guarantee that my rhythm hit the whole wide world slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle then i walk out travel to the
of the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guaranteed that my rhythm hit the Slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle Then I walk out travel to the Got the keys to the kingdom overseas with the wisdom guaranteed that my rhythm hit the Slay the boss in the castle when we cross final battle Then I walk out travel to the Why?